Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only carnal podcast that, like fanatics, is of questionable quality. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. You know, at least they're selling out for a huge profit. We just suck because we suck. <laughs> via the bird score from C70 himself. If you have an idea wow. for the opening bit, text or leave us a voicemail at 84848birds or join the bird score. Hambone, we're back. Yes. We're back in Denver. I'm back in St. Louis. We're able to communicate with each other. There was no major collapse on this ski no. trip. Overall, uh, I'd say it was a success. Yeah, I, I'd say it was a screaming success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been, this is my second time going skiing. Yes. Uh, it was almost two years ago to the date that I went for the first time. It was like right around when we started the podcast, actually. I think we recorded our first episode like a week or two after the trip last time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really hammered home for me this time just how absurd skiing as an activity <laughs> truly is. I think yeah. last time I was I all think you new. said this like eight times, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to repeat a few of my thoughts to you. Um, but like, well, they the weren't recorded. So did they? Yeah. I don't know if those really count. It was all practice runs for the podcast, right, right, right. you see. Um, the sheer fact that the sport starts at the top of a mountain should yeah. be like inhibiting in and of itself. It just probably shouldn't exist. But I guess it is a testament to uh, human absurdity and ingenuity that like it is a thing that like people can participate in um as you're down in the parking lot putting on your ski boots laughing at god yeah yeah you're a horrible to wear ski boots <laughs> everything about skiing is obnoxious yeah it's but so people, far even if you live in colorado like you do it's still at the top of a mountain right and like when we were driving we had to drive there was a point while driving through the mountains where you said you could not see where you were going for roughly 25 minutes, which <laughs> that's cool. Love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, you did a great job. We made it to the mountains. You then have to wear all of the clothing to participate in a sport because yep. you're doing it in sub freezing temperature. Uh, so, and then you have to pay a ton <laughs> of money to actually make it to the top of this mountain. And uh -huh. then they charge you an insane amount of money. You wear a million layers of clothes. Yep. You have to walk around in these like heavy boots that feel terrible all over your, your feet and your legs. Yep. Uh, you have to sit in a little lift, which is kind of fun. I mean, I, I like the, you know, the little lifts are kind of fun, Sure, but you could fall off of those. You could real easily. You could. And you finally get up there. And then skiing is tough. <laughs> so like if you, you know, this was my second time, my fifth, well, yeah, sixth. Some people make it tougher than it is, but you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I made real progression. And at the end of the day, I had a wonderful time and I'm glad yeah. that I did it. But it, it really is. It's a huge amount of effort around it for like a few hours of, yeah. of wee. You know, and then all all around you, you're seeing people being carted around on snow, like people being wrapped yeah. in like mummy like 
bags and drug mm-hmm. behind snowmobiles because they've fractured something. You're just like, this is great. I'm yeah. having fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was ultimately though it was very it was very very fun, and I'm glad that I did. But it is it is truly absurd that it is even something that like is of is a casual thing for people, yourself included. Um, but you know, uh, overall, like last time when I went, I fell like ten thousand times. I think yeah. this time only a few real falls. Um, although right at like within like thirty minutes of being there. I got myself stuck in a horrible half splits, like two feet in front of you where (laughs) I thought my hip sockets were going to explode out the side of my hips. Yeah. Uh, So that was fine. Um, I fell just standing still in the ski lift line, but uh, the ski lift, I, it, I, I would, I know last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about my uh, difficulties with the ski lift last time and i i aced it 100 percent of the time i had no i was not collided with the ski lift i did not fall off of the ski lift I, just on and off without a problem um you split your pants and uh. not in the way that you're used to splitting your pants so <laughs> yeah um you know that was fun yeah, I uh, I found a rock that was sort of hidden under the snow and decided to try to ski on it. And uh, yeah, I like yeah. I, I actually I just had to buy new pants. I ripped a massive hole that filled <laughs> with snow. Um, I also broke a ski pole. It was real. You know, if you're skiing yeah. three days straight. You're gonna some things are gonna aren't gonna go super well. But I think all in all, the trip went great. I thought you did great. I hate I hate giving you a compliment. Yeah. You did a great job. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like, fun. I, I don't remember the, the only time I remember watching you ski and saying, oh, no, oh, no, was when you did the splits. And I <laughs> I think I started to make fun of you. And then I saw the look in your eyes and then I went into, oh, no, how can I help? It, it was, was it was serious because it was such a slow sort of merge into the splits. Yes. I thought I was in control and then I was not. And then I felt that I You're- was. I was un. It, there was no. I felt completely stuck for a moment yeah. in a horrible position. And and for a guy who I, I'll, I'll give you a little credit, you keep yourself in decent shape. You might be the least flexible yes. human I've ever met. <laughs> yes. So ever. even even a qu- halfway or quarter splitting to you, yeah. that was a life and death scenario. So yeah, we should say like when I say splits, I mean for me, which is like <laughs> basically not at all. But for me, no. it was pretty bad. And just yeah. those skis going in oppo- opposite directions is just yeah. a horrifying, uh, you know, situation yeah. to find yourself yeah. in. Um, but yeah, it was fun to actually be out there skiing and, and doing, um, you know, I was on greens the whole time, but like right. out there with everybody actually doing greens instead of just staying in the, learners area and i also got to see from from my perspective it looked as if ben was committing suicide uh a hundred different <laughs> times because we'd be on these greens and it, they're like nice easy slopes that are kind of cutting back you know switchbacks and whatnot and um very often in between the the green slopes there'd be a like a hard slope filled with trees and sure. Ben was very often in front of me. And so I'd be going straight and he would just, it looked insane to me. Just <laughs> It was as if it was a sudden decision, just hard left straight into the trees. <laughs> and, and just like, well, bye forever, I guess that that was a crazy choice. And then I'd circle all the way around and you'd be standing there or the inverse where I'd be in front, you would just sort of appear out of the trees landing like right next to me, which was right. uh, terrifying. But 
um, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Like, that's how you rip your pants. <laughs> that is how you rip your pants. I, uh, I was, I was hot dogging it and uh-huh. it basically found a cliff. Um, it is essentially <laughs> what happened, but, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some, and, and sometimes you have to buy new pants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, you know, great friends, good times. So yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that I did it. Even if I think that the entire exercise is, uh, insane <laughs> it, i mean it's such a massive pain in the ass and you're so tired and you get yeah. injured but it is so fun um i think one of my favorite non-skiing parts of the weekend was so we rented this big house with a bunch of friends and it had an outdoor like fire pit in the front yard and i was dead set i wanted to get a fire going we're surrounded mm-hmm. by snow we're out there drinking beers carrying on have a good having a good time and this was this was later in the night uh we're you know uh, we're just having a good time and uh, I dare one of our buddies that we're with to try roasting a marshmallow over the fire on an icicle. There's like these massive three foot icicles hanging from the roof of the house that we've rented. Uh, so if you can imagine, Nate and I and one other idiot, shout out Tyler, are trying to roast marshmallows on <laughs> icicles to make s'mores over a fire, just giggling uh, quietly to ourselves. It was uh, uh, great it was root. That was the only other thing I wanted to bring up as well before we move into actual baseball because yeah. it is maybe the most miraculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was m- m- uh, remarkable and so just stupid. Uh, just holding an icicle over the fire and all of us going, it's working! <laughs> as, as a marshmallow is roasted yes. in the icicle, you know, which was thick enough to withstand the heat and slowly melt. And uh, yeah, it was... Yeah. Uh, oh, ben tried to stab me with a giant icicle, but I disarmed him. So, (laughs) um, that's exactly what happened. And you know, it's, it's just good old fashioned tomfoolery. It it was, it was Uh, nice to have, you know, no one was looking at their screens. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Back when there were four channels only, you know what I'm saying? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Just, um, good old, good old white and blue. Mm -hmm. So on Mm -hmm. and so forth. All right, let's move on. We survived. <laughs> I survived. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about baseball. And right. I mean, while there wasn't an incredible amount of news news, uh, we have crossed a major threshold, my dude. We are Hell seeing yes. baseball players participating in baseball activities. We've got Sonny Gray out there. We've oh, got yeah. Kyle Gibson. We're seeing some new faces. Uh, you know, we've got bullpen catch. Uh, pitchers wearing catcher's gear to play soft toss with other players. You know, wow. it's, uh, it's all you really, it's all we ever really want, but, uh, it's an indication that, uh, baseball is here. That dumb other sport that everyone talks about is over. The focus is on baseball and, <sighs> uh, yeah. So how, what do you want to talk about first? Yeah, I think, well, you know, like, I think it's a good time to reiterate to ourselves uh, an internal mantra going on that the Sonny Graney signing was one still to this day. There's still some big names out there, but was one of the best signings of the winter. Obviously, mm-hmm. I would have loved Yoshinobu Yamamoto, would have loved Shohei Otani. Obviously, sure. that was never going to happen. I would still love Jordan Montgomery. I would still yeah. love Blake Snell. Mike Clevenger might not even be a bad idea. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some other names out there that make sense, but I think it, it's good to recognize and remember that Sonny Gray is a big time game changer. He almost won the Cy Young in the AL last year. He has gotten better recently, 
and he's on the wrong side of 30, of course. Um, but this is a really exciting signing and seeing him show up and already interact with the team. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, he kind of had a quick or a funny little back and forth with Wilson Contreras, uh, where Sonny was talking about how fucking nasty his stuff was, uh, <laughs> which I just love. Like, yeah, we should be excited about this. And could the Cardinals do more? Of course. Is Sonny Gray a good baseball player? Yeah, he might be yeah. the, he might be the, third or fourth best player on the team and he was our biggest need um yeah, so the, we should be really the, excited this he's is great. the best pitcher the cardinals have had um uh since wayno was really dealing you know yeah uh, those yeah. cy young years probably back yeah. maybe probably. like karmar the one year he was like elite as a starter you know we've had little flashes yeah end of 2019 jack flaherty stuff like that you know there's been little moments where you could say someone was probably better than what, what we'll get out of Sonny Gray. But um, I think the expectations are rightfully very high for him on this team. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited. And yeah, it seems like, you know, last year was, uh, you know, anytime you have a year like he had last year, obviously there's some luck that went in his favor, but generally speaking, like the peripherals all show he should be really, really good this year. And uh, with a likely improved defense from last year and a, and a generally considered pitcher's park, like we should get a really good season out of Sonny Gray. And it's just fun to see it get started. Like the odds are that he's going to lead the Cardinals in every pitching category, like <laughs> across the board, except for saves, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you could argue he is a top 20 pitcher in MLB right now, and he's mm-hmm. starting for the Cardinals, and he's here, and he's very excited to be here, and he's wearing red, and all the wow. the things are happening. The doors are opening. We're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. We saw Kyle Gibson, too. Slightly less exciting, but hopefully he is a big part of the Cardinals' success this year. We kinda, he kind of has to be. Um, so I, I, I do think like Kyle Gibson is a much better four or five than he is a three or a four. Right. 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 But if Kyle Gibson can deliver almost 200 innings of four ish, four and a half ish ERA, the team is better. Yeah. He needs like that's considering no one did that on the Cardinals last year. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not saying I'm not saying, hey, Cardinals fans, go out there and lower your expectations for what the Cardinals should be aiming for and everything like that. But that is what you just said is the like, we need that. It just needs to happen. Um, And I don't know, maybe maybe he'll pop a little bit. Maybe he's always wanted to be here. Maybe he'll find another gear. I'd probably not. I'm I'm not. I would bet zero dollars on that. But uh, I want to be excited. I want to be optimistic right now. This is the time for us to have fun and be excited about baseball. So I think um, we're probably going to still lament a little bit over the next coming month about uh, where things could still go wrong and who knows what spring training looks like. But as we said a lot on this show, we are a positive Cardinals podcast and we look forward to looking at the the positive side of this, especially yep. as uh, as baseball ramps up. It's been a it's been a rough year, but it's 2024. It's a new one. You yeah. never know. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, Nate, uh, with spring training games about to start, we get to play our annual, uh, oh crap. We have a really bad name for this game where we draft the remaining free agents and try to get the most money. What? Oh what, man. What it was, we call well, that? you loved, it was like Fafiv's Viva or something like that. No, um, it, was, it was good. Everyone. Went, yeah. Everyone yeah, got a tattooed. Uh, you did. it wasn't drafty McDrafterson. We'll, know, we'll look. 
we'll, we'll look this up it. later. Yeah. Find it. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, big dog himself back in the camp, uh, Lance Lynn making quite the arrival. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you didn't see this, Lance Lynn rolled up to day one of spring training in what was described as a Barbie pink Ford Bronco. Yep. Um, and you know, he also, he got out of his Barbie pink Ford Bronco in a sleeveless t-shirt, mm-hmm. uh, gym shorts and, and, uh, uh, sandals. And, um, it is really nice to have him back. Yeah. Uh, it's got to feel a little bit like returning back to like your high school or something, but now yeah. you've made hundreds of millions of dollars since the last time you were there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the, I don't know. The boys are back, Nate. Mm-hmm. The boys are the boys, back in town. The boys are back in town. The boys of summer. I don't know. There's uh, a lot of songs about this. A lot of songs about boys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of discussion right now about the rotation, um, and what it's going to finally look like and who's going to, uh, really get in that fifth spot. The, the presumption is Zach Thompson or I'm sorry, is Steven Matz, but I was uh, going to say, wow, wow. Yeah, hot take the presumption is Steven Matz, but Zach Thompson, I think has a case for it. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it right before we started recording, Derek Gould posted a uh, article too saying that the Cardinals are actually considering a six man rotation to begin the season because the Cardinals have quite a stretch of games to start the season. Yeah. Both, both uh, challenging opponents and um, not as many off days. So uh, we actually, I think we, we were originally thinking that um, we would have a discussion around who really is going to get that fifth spot. But with this recent article and, and um, you know, Derek Gould, Derek Gould is generally on the money with this stuff. It does seem like the Cardinals, who arguably still don't have enough starting pitchers, are going to go with a six-man uh, rotation to start the season. Um, what do you think about that? I uh, What do I think about that? Um, when you barely have five starters that you would label as major league quality, does it make sense to extend that to six? No. <laughs> um, do you want to burn your pitchers out right away? Absolutely not. So I think like spreading the wealth around early yeah. makes a little bit of sense. And if you kick a, if you kick two starts at the beginning, the first month in uh, of the season to Drew Rom, that should not ruin your season. Um, you might even win one of those games if if the offense explodes and and so on and so forth. Now, if the Cardinals are in a spot where, let's say, um, Stephen Matz nor Zach Thompson have separated themselves from each other and we're kind of having, I don't know, maybe three middling guys at the back of that six-man rotation, I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, That being said, like, I kind of like, that's why it's on the outline. I kind of look at this as Zach Thompson versus uh, Stephen Matz. And if you're running a six man rotation two, three weeks into the season, you do get a little more time to audit and 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 look at yeah. these guys against uh, real major league uh, lineups in real major league situations. And maybe that helps you make the decision for the remainder of the year of who deserves that spot or at least is hot at that moment. Yeah. Um, so I like that aspect of it. Um, and we're being optimistic today. I, you know, I think there's a, there's a very real chance that Zach Thompson or, or Libertor or Klothenstein or, or one of those guys pop off the page and maybe steal a spot and shove their, their way into this conversation. Maybe Libertor leapfrogs Zach Thompson. 
based on yeah. the dominant spring performance. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I w- without having a t- ability to think about it longer than that, I, I think it's fine. Um, it's not like they're just going to run out five guys all year. Anyways, that's highly right. unlikely, especially with the average age of our starting <laughs> staff. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, is that like, if we think that fifth spot is going to end up being either Zach Thompson or Steven Matz, um, you know, you have kind of two ways to establish that you, you pick one probably off of spring training numbers, whoever's doing the best and you let it go and, and maybe it just sticks or maybe they collapse. And if they do collapse, you then have to get the next guy up and back in the rotation. So let's say they do have Steven Matz as the fifth guy and, and uh, Zach Thompson's in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, what if Matz gets hurt again or if Matz is ineffective, um, you now have to ramp Zach Thompson back up. You have to you know, get him back major league ready in the majors at that time. And so having him also carrying a starter's load there um, as the season starts does make that transition one way or another. Maybe it's the inverse, obviously. Maybe Tom, yeah. Thompson gets hurt and Matt's is, is cruising. I mean, there's some reason to be optimistic about Matt's, but there's also plenty of reason to be, um, you know, concerned. So I kind of like he, it, he is you know. such a massive question mark right yeah. now. Yeah, we're, we want a lot of innings from these guys, but it is pretty unreasonable to expect that um like gray gibson lynn all michaelis that really any of them are going to get to 200 let alone all four of them getting over that so starting to spread the load out in april already does make some sense to me and even though we're like we we don't think the cardinals have a a ton of high-end depth they do have a lot of guys that like we still don't really know a lot about at the major league level and so giving them a shot. We're assuming the Cardinals are going to have a very good bullpen. So you can sort of give them the hook a little bit faster than maybe you would otherwise, or maybe they piggyback some of these guys. Um, I'm kind of okay with a, a really experimental uh, start yeah. to the season with the rotation and, and find the hot hand. Yeah. The, the hot hand is a really interesting way to phrase it. I also like we, we dunk on the Cardinals starting pitching depth and player dev. Uh, cause it's easy. Yeah. But Gordon Graceffo, Tinkins, Takoa Roby, um, Zach Thompson, or, uh, sorry, Libertor. Those are all high end names with pedigree with success and could really jump out. Like they, they could really take a step forward this spring and, I mean, let, let's just say Graceffo, because I like Graceffo. I like his stuff. Uh, he had a kind of a weird year last year. What if Graceffo just comes into spring and shoves this year, and it's undeniable, kind of like Jordan Walker was for the outfield last year, that really changes the way that this staff looks, being able right. to put potentially Steven Matz and Zach Thompson in the bullpen, or you have one of those guys at AAA to be that sixth man. Um, it It makes even one of those guys... That I those oh, those four guys or whatever I just listed having a difference making spring, which I don't think is entirely unreasonable, right? Makes this a lot easier, and and you see the path forward, and you see the future a little bit, and I don't know, may, yeah. maybe. Well, it's it's certainly part of the reason why the Cardinals went out and and mostly acquired short term fixes because they obviously believe that at least a couple of these guys are going to end up in the major league rotation. Now, it might only be. Roby and hence and the rest of them are all um you know bullpen arms but also maybe not 
Yeah. And I think they didn't want to clog it too much with longer term contracts. But that's also why Lynn and Gibson both have team options as well, just in case that all collapses. And we basically need to do exactly what we're doing this year again next year. Yeah, man. If Lynn and Gibson come back next year, it's, it's, that can't be the plan. That's certainly not what they're hoping for. That's real. Yeah. You ideally, one of them has a better season and that's the lever you pull, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, I hope. I, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope we get a nice spring from one of those four guys I said. <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the roster is pretty set. You know, that's the thing with the Cardinals that we talk about all the time is that like it's a team full of above slightly above average players who pretty much have like their spot on the roster locked. Yeah. But there are a few spots that we think are still open for competition. Do you want to kind of open that discussion? Well, yeah, let's we'll kind of just, I, I think, illustrate how locked up the the position player group is. Um, and I think everybody I'm about to list is essentially there. Uh, right. Nolan, obviously, Paul Goldschmidt, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Mason Wynn, Matt Carpenter. I would bet a crisp dollar bill. Every single one of those people will be yeah. on the opening day roster. Lars Newport. Lars Newbar, Tommy Edmond, Jordan Walker, Dylan Carlson, Alec Burleson. Um, I guess there's a little wiggle room. Maybe Alec Burleson gets his spot right. stolen, but the Cardinals have said so much this offseason, how much they love his batted ball profile. He's, you know, on the slim fast diet. He's practicing in the outfield. He's he's doing everything he can. It all seems very likely. I think the only question mark there is Tommy Edmond healthy. Um, right. Obviously, if he's healthy, he's taking a spot. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of spots in the bullpen, probably three um, that we could really talk about and, and to see what's going to happen there um, with Robertson, King, Fernandez, Andre Palante, Matthew Libertor, and possibly Gordon Graceffo or others being kind of vying for those final three spots. John King is kind of a uh, do the Cardinals. Well, was John King's Cardinal success real? That's my kind of first yeah. question. And then the second part of that is, is his presence as a lefty that important? Um, would he win if Andre Palante comes into spring and the death ball is killing people? Yeah. Splitting in he, half, razor wire coming out of it. <laughs> does he take John King's spot on the roster? Uh, or, yeah. or however, pick whatever guy you want to pick. Um, yeah, and you've got Jojo Romero already, so right. you've got that like real high end lefty if you need it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that this is what truly the the spring competitions are about. You know, I, I bullpen management, um, you know, really comes down to the hot hand here. If I were guessing, I bet Palante has a spot. It's he has a spot to lose just from yeah. his history. I do kind of think John King has a spot to lose. Um, and then everybody else is, you know, going for that, uh, going for that opening day roster and, and, you know, has to, has to earn it in spring. The, the John, the, 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 what bugs me about the John King thing, and you might be right, is that in his career, he is average six Ks per nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year as a Cardinal, he was under five. Uh, he doesn't throw the ball particularly hard. Um, there's there's not... High, gr- high ground ball talk, rate. 
Yeah. He has a high ground, ground ball rate, which is good. Um, but we always talk about, and maybe it's a fan thing. We just we want something that pops off the page a little bit more. And he's about as milk toast boring as a left-handed reliever can possibly get. Um, like at least Randy Choate had a thing, you know. He's coming way out from the left side. He only yeah. faces one guy, the um, choke goat. The choke goat. <laughs> Oh, I hate that. Did did we say that? Do people uh, say that? I feel like I've said that before. That's that sucks, and, it's, you, and you suck. I'm not saying it's good. Um, like I, I, I guess, um, if John King, um, it, or, or if we need a lefty in the bullpen that bad, why don't why yeah. not Matthew Libertor? Yeah, let him cook out there. Yeah, yeah. I I suspect, especially if they if they are going with a six man rotation, um. I'm not sure that we've seen the last of Libertor getting a shot in the rotation. And so I have a feeling that he's going to start in Memphis as a starter and be yeah. a next man up sort of thing. Or if he crushes in spring, he could be that sixth man in the rotation. Yeah. Um, I think like we've been framing it as Thompson versus Matt. And I think that's the most likely thing based off of last year's uh, outcomes. But I could see if Libertor comes in hot in spring that yeah. maybe they um it's Thompson versus Libertor. Um yeah, yeah, I'm of the opinion that Drew Rahm is not a major league caliber starting pitcher. I wonder right. if his conversion begins. The guy obviously he was acquired in the Baltimore trade last year for Flaherty. Yeah. Um he's he's gonna be twenty four, which isn't old by any means, but you know, a little on the wrong side uh for prospecty type talk. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe that's the future for Drew. Well, Rahm. and he got a lot know. of time, like, like, you know, he got a lot of starts last year as, as everything was falling apart. So I think we saw enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think that they would currently be considering Rom in that top seven, top eight spot, but I guess we'll see. No, no, he, he can't be right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if Graceffo starts in the, at the MLB level out of the gates, but like you said, you know, it's spring and this is the, this edge of the bullpen is where you, any, anything can happen if somebody looks particularly strong in spring. And how are the Cardinals going to behave after last season? I think that's my big question mark too. Are they, is it going to be like all hands on deck? Like if Graceffo is shoving in spring, and they just make up a role for him in the bullpen or something Could like be. that. Like, you, well, the, you know what I'm saying? Like the bullpen is obviously being constructed in that way to yeah. like, they, they've, they've amassed way more arms than there are uh standard starting spots in a rotation. Right. And it really is going to be, I think fast turnaround. You got it or you don't. Um, you know, obviously I think Helsley and Gallegos and, and those types of guys are, probably going to have room to struggle and whatnot. But I think everybody else, you know, I think it's going to be a a short leash. And I think there's probably going to be a lot of innings available for the bullpen too. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's um, why, but that's why I like, I, we obviously we've talked a lot about how we wish we had the Cardinals getting another high end starter. But if you're not, what they're doing is exactly the right thing. Stack bullpen arms just keep piling on upside bullpen arms and play them fast and see what happens you know like we always talk about who's your seventh inning guy who's your eighth inning guy your ninth inning guy like we might need it to be who's your sixth inning guy who's your fifth inning guy you know and if you actually have like a crazy elite bullpen 
you might be able to get away with that, you know, and Libertor yeah. might get a lot of innings coming out in the fourth, going to the sixth, yeah. you know, and then you, then you um, get to Kittredge, then you get to Romero, then you get to Gallegos, then you get to Helsley. Like that sounds awful for an opposing team, you know. The best teams in baseball, especially when it comes to their pitching staff, use their entire 40-man roster to fill out their 26. Like, yeah, the, you look at the Dodgers end of year pitching uh, a, a player depth last year. It was an absolute shit show, but they still had a great year because they picked and choose and yeah, the right guys for the right times. And they also have an amazing player development core, yeah. which you might not even call way. that a shit show. They won a ton of games and yeah. like, you know, it, I think. I think everybody prefers obviously having like that core squad that you go to all day, every day, but that's just not how it works. And, and relievers is so volatile. So, um, yeah, I think we'll, yeah. this, this will be interesting to watch, but I also, it wouldn't surprise me if whoever wins these competitions two weeks into the season, the entire bullpen looks different again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of sweepers. Yeah, there um, will be a lot of sweepers. And there's going to be some high velo from these new guys, which <laughs> yes, will, there will all be. be very fun. Um, well, while we're on the staff, um, you know, it is starting to get a little interesting again with the Cardinals and, and the available starting pitching arms. Yeah. And I know we're, we've had this discussion all offseason. Um, but doesn't it feel a little bit like we're starting to circle back to a uh, Montgomery to the Cardinals type of like, thing? Or... Or like it's taken so long and we keep hearing all of this information about none of these guys actually e even getting contract offers. You know, it's not like uh, Blake Snell is in a bidding war and he just hasn't right. chosen where it from from reporting. He's received one offer, you know, so so like, I don't know, maybe some of these guys do take like a pillow contract and, and test free agency next year. And all of a sudden we get Mon Monty for a year or, uh, you know, I would love Blake Snell, but we're just wish casting at this point, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, the thing, the thing that I think we said this last week and that the off season is absolutely grinded to a halt. And most of that is, um, Mr. Super agent, uh, Scott Boris's fault, right? Because he's got most of the cards with Bellinger, yeah. Monty Snell. Um, but it is striking, right? You, those two guys are available. Mike Clevenger, who I brought up earlier. Michael Lorenzen is still available. Brandon Woodruff, who wouldn't help the team this year, but is available. And we've talked mm -hmm. about that in other scenarios. On the lower side of this, Matthew Boyd, who I think would be really interesting. Rich Hill, who just said <laughs> that he's going to sign a contract midseason because he wants to watch his kid play ball, which I thought was adorable. Yep. Uh, Vince Velazquez is still out there. Hunjun Ryu is still out there. Um, who I'm just going, uh, yeah. Derek Law don't want him. Chase Anderson has a very good changeup that could be interesting. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, stay away from him. I'm just reading off names at this point, but there are so many names. Spring training is just around the corner. Now these teams, this, the Boris model is to wait no matter what until you get your right. deal, right? Unless you, yeah. for whatever reason, the market just absolutely crumbles. It's wait, 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 wait. Maybe. Some high-end pitchers are going to get hurt. Maybe Corbin Burns goes down and the Orioles have no choice but to sign Jordan Montgomery to the money that he wants. Um, but it is... It it feels as though the cards <laughs> are falling in right. the right place for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think... 
I'm of the opinion that any one of those guys that I listed would be helpful, obviously to varying degrees, but any of them would be helpful to the organization because of who we're relying on right now. And Steven Matz can't stay healthy. Um, and I think it's unrealistic to expect any of those other guys to be healthy or all of them to be healthy all year. Yeah. Um, there's also, I don't know if you saw this, there's been a lot of rumors swirling today. We're recording Wednesday, um, early evening. So this all could change in the next, by the time this episode releases, but there's a big rumor right now that the pirates are potentially acquiring Edward Cabrera from the Marlins in a package. So Uh, like, um, you know, so mad about that. I know. Right. But they're like, I like him a lot. Same. And, and so there's always that specter of like the Cardinals acquiring a, a starting pitcher via trade. Um, that may happen if the Marlins truly are shopping. Now, the Pirates have some some upside prospects that I don't know the Cardinals could really match since the Pirates have been low in the draft for, for years now. Right. Um, but but point being, like that's still out there, too. I, I think it probably would have happened if it was going to happen by now so, for the way Mazalek works. But uh, you never know. So I, I'm I, I'm trying not to like get too hopeful about it, but I, I'd kind of given up on that idea. Um, yeah. A little while ago. But now that it is getting this deep in, it certainly seems like there's a, a possibility. Yeah. You know, on, on the trade conversation, specifically with the Marlins, and I may have said this before, um, and I, I think the likelihood of this happening is less than one percent. But I thought for a long time that they would be a perfect match at Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson trade for starting pitching with the Marlins makes so much sense. They yeah. have uh, Jesus Sanchez, who's a, or, uh, uh, sorry, Brian, Brian De La Cruz, who is a good hitter and a terrible fielder. Yeah. Uh, they don't really have a spot, uh, a, a real shortstop right now. You could solve two problems with very good defensive players who have some, albeit limited, offensive upside. Um, but let's like look how that team is built. They're pitching in defense. You give them a Gold Glove winner, and I think Dylan Carlson could win a Gold Glove. Right. Um, yeah. He has that potential. Obviously, hasn't done it. For you know, I don't know if those two players could get you a Jesus Lazardo, but could no. they get you an Edward Cabrera? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you're could, definitely looking at the lower end of the trade uh, yeah. market for those two guys. Mostly because, also because of team control. You know, right. like the Marlins, if they're acquiring Edmund, you know, they're getting the two-year contract he just signed. So, like, do they really see their window right now? I, that, You know, some of this you'd have to really yeah. um, pick through. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're an obvious trade partner. Um, but it also helps because the Marlins need just about everything on the offensive side <laughs> yeah. and have pitching depth. So it's kind of easy to come up with like a version of a trade. Yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if they trade Lazardo. He seems like he, he's like a dark horse Cy Young pick for me next year. You yeah. Know? So, and I think if the Cardinals realistically wanted to get Lazardo, it'd be more like Lars Newt bar and Jordan yeah. Walker or something like that. It wouldn't be <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't not. Be. And I, I want to be like, I, I think, I believe in correct, you know, hit me up on the Twitters. If you think I'm being a fool and, and undervalue or uh, overvaluing Dylan and, and, uh, Tommy, but I, yeah. I think it makes sense, especially if you have belief in Mason Wynn and Victor Scott too. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys should plug those holes immediately for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I, I don't and know. 
I mean, Edmund, we talked about it. We talked about him a lot, but the like the quietest near six war season in yep. like the ML, in the last five years of the MLB, you know. So there may be and, a team that would look at that and say that what's stopping him from doing that again? You know? And it, to me, it seems insane for the Marlins, who did make the playoffs last year. They're obviously not a great team to have John Birdie, who is currently listed as their starting shortstop, actually yeah. be their starting shortstop. That seems yeah. insane to me. Yeah. Um, we'll stop talking about the Marlins, but one thing I do want to bring up, and I, I'm really excited about this, but they are fully recommitting to Jazz Chisholm being their uh, everyday center fielder. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I really like watching Jazz play. If so he can I, stay healthy. Oh, I hope he does. Yeah, he's electric. I'm a big fan of him as well. And yeah. that's season changing for them if he plays 150 games. Yeah, I hope I hope that that works out for Jazz. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, back to kind of what we were talking about. There are still a lot of levers to be pulled. Our price is going down. Chris Getz, the GM for the White Sox today, said that Dylan Cease is their starting day pitcher. I call bullshit. I think I still <laughs> think he's going to be moved. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess we'll find out. There, we'll there find seems out. to be there's too many players out there, um, and, and the Cardinals need to strike. Yeah. I agree. Hunjun Ryu would be a huge... That would be fun. It would really help yeah. me sleep better. Yeah. Agreed. Um, well, a few more weeks until spring training's really going. Uh, so I'm expecting a lot of these moves to happen. Uh, a lot of these ships to fall over the next couple of weeks. Um, but we have some, uh, some off the field... Well, not really. Still on the field uh, things to talk about, but... Um, not about the, the game itself. We're going to talk about some, uh, some laundry here, as they say. <laughs> um, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, we knew this coming into this season, but there's some hype starting to build around it. Uh, the Cardinals will be getting a City Connect jersey this yeah. year. Uh, ben and I are both huge fans of the City Connect concept. I think on a team-by-team execution level, they have uh, had varying degrees of success. Agreed. But, like, I, I really like like the 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 highs of the City Connect jerseys is incredibly high, and I think it's a fun initiative for the league. And um, I'm uh, I don't really know what more to say about this. Um, I, I'm expecting it to say something like the Lou or have like an arch on it or something like that. But um, I'm just hoping that it doesn't suck. <laughs> what if what if the players just look like an old school can of Budweiser? <laughs> Would that be good? Yeah, just I mean, it would look horrible, but it would be awesome. Um, yeah, I I think I agree with you. There there are some hits and misses. Like I really thought that Cincinnati's was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it just made like they're just uniform is black with a red streak through it, which I thought was you know kind of nonsensical. Uh, I really like the Boston one where they're doing the uh, the Boston Marathon colors. I think that's really fun and it's mm-hmm. completely different w- than what they normally look like. Uh, and then the Marlins, not to just keep talking about the Marlins. I think the Marlins uh, the Sugar Skulls are yeah. really really good. Um, uh, I did I, I really like the the Nationals with the cherry blossoms. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. The Nationals is very good. Uh, I know a lot of people like the Rockies ones, but I think they look like a lawn maintenance crew. Um, not not my bag. Um, I really want the Cardinals. I, I think the arch makes a lot of sense. I think the St. Louis flag should be a point of inspiration. Yeah. And I hope they don't take themselves too seriously. And I say that because I think a great thing about the Cardinals is how seriously they take themselves 
how the uniform is has been such a has been almost not stagnant, but it has been stable for such a long time. Obviously, with changes to the logo and whatnot, but the white and the red it looks so great. I would really love them or them to kind of take this opportunity to go a little zany, not obnoxious, yeah. but have some fun with it. Maybe they're all red. Maybe they're uh, yeah, you know, I don't know, but I um, yeah, something Seems unlikely, cool. but um, it does. But yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. I think the, you know, the St. Louis flag is like internationally famous. So yeah. um, it's always a good point of reference. Uh, the um, the the soccer team city used yeah. the St. Louis flag as like a cornerstone of their design. And it, yeah, I think it's been great. And so um, I, I very much can see them doing that with some sort of element of the two rivers coming together yeah. or something like that. Um, I actually almost hope it doesn't have the arch only because that's all right. Like you already see that when you're yeah. watching a game at Bush, um, you know, we don't need it. It's already there, you know, whereas like the cherry blossoms with the Washington nationals, like that was cool. That's imagery from the city that isn't right. like everywhere in the stadium, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just hopeful that they I just hope they don't suck. I don't really <laughs> care what they end up. Uh, doing. I, I, I don't remember who I saw post this, so I apologize. Um, but I saw somebody on, on uh, that we follow on Twitter post like a uh, a mock up of a, a red cap with a yellow fleur de lis mm-hmm. on it. And yeah, I would buy that shit tomorrow. It was so cool. Something. Yeah. The Florida Lee would be cool. Yeah. yeah, evokes the city and is maybe a little inside, like uh, like kind of like you're talking about. Like you have to not necessarily be from St. Louis to get it, but it's connected yeah. to the city a little more. Like the reason I don't like the Colorado R- Rockies uniforms is because it's just the license plate put on a uniform. <laughs> it is. Yeah. There's like almost no design change outside of that. Yeah. And um. It doesn't feel like you're in on a little secret, which is how I kind of feel like the city connect should be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to connect to the city. It's in the name. Yeah. (laughs) I'm city connect to me. Well, uh, speaking of, of, uh, potentially bad, uh, (laughs) jerseys, um, there's been some controversy over the last few days and it's kind of was referenced in the opening bit as well. Um, Ben, how would you describe, what's been going, what's going on with, with fanatics and the, and the Cardinals, uh, merch capitalism wins again, Nate. (laughs) I know it it is the only way forward. It's the only way that a real society works. Yeah. And if you don't like it, uh, you know, watch out as my boot crushes you. Uh, that, that's how I feel. I mean, um, it is, it's kind of embarrassing it is, I guess, really how I feel about it. Like Miles Michaelis basically coming in at day one of spring training and saying that these jerseys are trash. The stitching is weak. The, the, even the way that the name is lined up on the back, it all just looks cheap. And yeah. um, it is disappointing. I think like subconsciously or consciously, like one of the things I really like about baseball is the look, the uniforms. Yeah. Like, I I, I don't know. It's burned into my brain. It doesn't look like any other sport. They're wearing pants, which is inherently <laughs> weird. Pants um, and button-up shirts. <laughs> it, it is weird, but there's just this, um, the crispness that the, yeah. that the Dodgers have, that the Cardinals have. Um, 
I, I think the Red Sox uh, home jerseys look really, really nice. Yes. The A's probably have my second favorite jersey in baseball Agreed. or uh, uniform in baseball. Um, the Cubs and the Yankees with their shitty pinstripes look like idiots. But <laughs> I, think, I just think discounting this is so stupid. Yeah. And if you want to discount the ones that you and I or I more than you would pay one hundred and forty dollars for at the team store, that's fine because I, it just doesn't I'm not. We're, you're we're wearing selling, costumes anyway. So. Yeah, I'm not selling yeah. the product. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think for baseball to cheap out on something like this, it, it shows that like short-term win type of philosophy that I, I think ruins so many things. And if you're not gaining, you're losing. And uh, I hate yeah. it. And yeah. uh, I'm also a stick in the mud when it comes to baseball. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't even like you kind of mentioned there, I'm not a big like Jersey owner myself. It's something I've never really cared for, but like the, the look of the game does matter to me. And I, I do like the way baseball jerseys look. And I, and I can imagine as a player, you want to wear something that feels comfortable and feels like uh representative of the billion dollar industry that you are the face <laughs> of. Right. And so to find that this, I mean, what is this saving these billionaires? Like, pennies on a you know comparatively yeah. over already, a season you already sold a freaking patch on the arm do you really need to yeah to save like, money on the jerseys we're, we're just going to be ranting about capitalism more at this point but it is it's squeezing every last drop out of every potential source of either revenue or cost um and just going to the lowest bidder on all things and it does eventually all start to add up and while the reduction of the jerseys here is not necessarily some, you know, death blow to the league or its perception, the more and more they make these little tiny cuts, uh, the more and more they it becomes like a shit show. It's look at any, uh, you know, fast food restaurant or really most of the chain restaurants that were like really big in the 90s and early 2000s and now are a shell of themselves it's, be <laughs> it's because you know everything you just make it a little bit smaller to save an extra penny uh re replace this ingredient with this ingredient that mostly tastes the same but saves us a fraction of a cent per ounce and all of a sudden Dude. 20 years later after each one of those decisions everybody hates your shit you know so it's funny you say that because la last night i had a Kit Kat bar and I'm a candy eater, Nate. Let's not let's yeah. not beat around the bush. I like my candy. It tasted like shit. And I was wondering, <laughs> is it me? Did I get a bad batch? Or is it just a piece of shit all yeah. of a sudden? Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I had a kick at the other day. It was pretty good. But um, okay. maybe it's just me. But I, I, you know, there is there's a word for it where things get smaller and smaller and smaller over time. Shrinking. And they sell, sh <laughs> yep. Shrinking. Atrophy. Uh, shrinkonomics, I think, is something. <laughs> It's something oh. like that. Oh, yeah, it's something, okay. it's, it's something like that, you know, and like, yeah, each individual decision doesn't isn't noticeable. But at the end of the day, it all adds up and it becomes noticeable. Do so, they know about shrinkage? I was in the pool. Does she know about shrinkage? <laughs> boo. <laughs> I guess that's a Seinfeld reference. I retract my boo. Yeah, that was um, good. Yeah. Um, one last note before we... Uh, hit the break uh adam wainwright has officially joined mlb network surprising no one but um no. good for him 
No, he's he's working for Fox. He's working for MLB Network. He's uh, immediately a national broadcaster, which he's I think there. is really fun. And uh, it means he'll probably call a Cardinals game at some yeah. point just because of his level of coverage. And that will obviously be a blast. Um, I don't really watch a lot of MLB Network. Uh, no. Unless it's like fed to me via the internet. But I'll, yeah. uh, I'll watch some Wayno broadcasted games for sure because I'm a sicko and I watch all of it. Yeah. Yeah, and he can play his little country songs, and uh, you know it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. All right. Well, we have uh, a fair amount of league news to cover, but before we get to that, we do want to remind our listeners that this show is supported by listeners like you right now. You, the one that's listening right now. Hey. Supporter listeners like you can support the show <laughs> on patreon.com slash talking about birds. Um, we have a bunch of different tiers with a bunch of different interesting options. Um, but anybody who subscribes to our Patreon gets access to our private Discord server. We call it the Bird Scored. And it's tweet, tweet. A, tweet, tweet, baby. It's a great place. We are really enjoying um, this sort of. Uh, a space where you can go and know you're talking to other Cardinals fans, other listeners to the show and kind of get away from the noise and increasing frustration of uh, social media and the, the varied landscape that that is now. So uh, patreon.com slash talking about birds. We also have cool shirts and other features, um, but you know, it's a cool way to support the show and we, we really appreciate those who, who are and are considering it. Um, if you want to support the show in another way, you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We really, really appreciate it. Ben might call you a sicko uh, if you do it, and then uh, you might update your uh, your nice review to call that out, which we have been laughing about for quite a while now. So thanks to that reviewer out there. <laughs> like if you listen to this show on a regular basis, there's something you're a little bit of a sicko, right? Like, like. That that's true. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. So leave us a review. Join the Patreon. We appreciate both of those. Um, And oh, hey, now we are on YouTube. Uh, Episodes go straight there, just like they go to a podcast feed. Uh, So if that's your preferred platform, you can check it out there. From what I understand, the Google podcast app is dead or going away because that's what Google does. And they've been redirecting (laughs) everybody to YouTube. Uh, So that's cool. We're there now. Um, you can listen to the show. It uh, It's another way to, to do it. We're a little hard to find on there. So you can get the link on our website or you can do at talking about birds in the uh, like search bar and it sh- you should find us. Yeah. Our SEO sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben, where can people find us online otherwise? Yeah. Come to the hellhole that is Twitter and you can find <laughs> us at talk about birds. On Instagram, we are talking about birds. You can email us questions, thoughts, concerns, anything at all to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Uh, where this podcast is available on Spotify. You can go to Spotify and uh, listen to us there if you prefer. We got a TikTok. Check us out there. Um, you can find all of that information, T-shirts, YouTube, everything we do, talkingaboutbirds.com. Uh, and don't forget that you can call or text us at 848-48-BIRDS. That is 848-482-4737. That's right. 848-48-BIRDS. Call, leave a voicemail, text message. We'll take it all. 
Sign us uh, up for political campaigns. Whatever you got, we'll take it. Um, yeah, I would rather, would really prefer you don't do that last one, but uh, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> Be like, I'll regardless, take what I can get. Yeah, just just contact me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like regardless of what we do, we're we're all being signed up for that stuff this year. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, a uh, fair bit of news around the league this week. You're uh, telling me. Yeah. So why don't you uh, why don't you start walking us through some of this? Yeah, we have a little bit of player news. Um, I think the um, one of those large, l- well, a free agent that was remaining out there on the open yes. market, not one of the largest ones. Nate and I were kind of talking about this over ski week and about how we were surprised that he got this much money and the club that he went to. Uh, it's kind of a strange deal, but Jorge Soler, former Cub great, uh, Royal great, uh, uh, Braves great, Marlins great. Yeah. I think that's everyone. He's really been all over the place, has just signed a three-year deal with the Giants uh, for $42 bucks, which, like I kind of characterized before I said it there, kind of a lot of money, um, kind of longer than I expected. And yeah. I think Jorge Soler is a good hitter, and I think he's probably more patient than most people assume that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't really play defense, and it's really hard to hit home runs in that ballpark. So kind of a weird deal, but the Giants got a guy, so that's good, I think. Yeah, I'm guessing he's going to DH. Um, he has to. Based off of his profile, right? Because if you take the glove out of his hand, He's a pretty valuable player, you know, in 2023, he hit 36 home runs for the for the Marlins and he had a eleven and a half percent walk rate. So pretty good, pretty good offensive numbers, um, but uh, coming out to a 126 WRC plus. So, you know, 26 percent better than the than the field. Uh, but his defense was so bad that that ultimately ended up in only 1.9 F4. Yeah. Um, back in 2019, he hit 48 bombs for the Royals. So, so there's a guy that I have, I've actually kind of always been a fan of. I, I really like his swing and it's just fun to hit him, see him he hit pl- dingers. He plays with a swagger too, yeah. which is always great. Yeah. I remember when the Cubs got him, I was really, really, uh, when he came up with the Cubs, I was really worried. And then when he, got traded to the Royals. I was like, all right, that's good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it it is weird. The giants are kind of like the Cardinals in a lot of ways where everyone, every, the fan base has been pining for them to do something big and they keep, they've been having a lot of near misses over the last few years, you know, and then they do a move like this, which this also feels like a big time Cardinal move too. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know it. DH good spot for him. That lineup could be good. The Giants know how to play matchups well, um, but it's hard to hit dingers in that park. And I don't. Yeah. Know, I guess it makes them better, which is good for the Giants. Yeah, but and you know, yeah. it's hard to hit dingers in the Marlins Stadium, and it's hard to hit dingers in the Royal Stadium. And he hit forty-eight bombs as a Royal, yeah. so maybe it doesn't matter because he's just that big and strong and hits the ball that hard. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's all, he's getting older though too, you know. Yeah. This will be his age thirty two season, but I bet he gets close to thirty bombs there. I I think so. So I, just based on the comment you made right there, it might be like the Cardinals roster is better than the Giants, right? Yes. Yeah. 
I think so. I mean, okay. Who are you? I was well, everything with everything with being a homer, or is that accurate? Everything with the Cardinals starts with Arenado Goldschmidt, right? right? And and you know the the Giants, I guess Luke Webb, uh, Logan, <laughs> Logan Webb, the most boring ace in baseball. Yeah, um, you know they don't really have very many guys that move the needle. That ha- they don't really have anybody that you know could finish top three in the MVP. Like no, they're Arenado. a weird team. Yeah. Uh, they, they've always, yeah. you know, they they really have been a weird team for quite a, even when they won 107 games, right? Just a few years ago, it was like, who would name a star on this team? <laughs> yeah, and, Lamont yeah. Wade Jr. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, weird team. Um, well, good for Jorge. Good for Giants fans. They finally got somebody. They've gotten a couple of people, but they they've improved their team, which is fun. And and power hitting is yeah inherently fun. Um, in other news, MLB suspends ex-Mets GM Billy Epler for the entire 2024 season for improper use of the injured list. Um, I find this story to be kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, I don't get it. Um, I think that every GM or Pobo or Sibo or whatever essentially does what he does. Yeah. Um, or what he did. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm very confused as to why Billy Epler is the guy that's getting the book thrown at him. I'm very confused why it's happening now. I wonder if a player has complained in the background and he forced somebody to go on the IL without their consent, which could presumably happen. There's not a lot of details about yeah. this, but it's bizarre. And Every team in baseball does this and has done it for as long as baseball has been around or the, the DL or the IL have been around. Yeah. I'm assuming the same, something like you said, there, there's some sort of specific instance that has blown up on them and the league has been forced to like, you know, they have to take action. It's so blatant. Um, some may say it's similar to like the, the Astros cheating scandal where it's like every team is doing like little things yeah. here and there. And, and the Astros, you know, were the, we're finally the ones who took it too far with their right. absurd thing. And that's part of why the punishment wasn't as bad as a lot of people wanted it to be. Because if you really peel back the onion on, on cheating in baseball, like everybody would get suspended. It's a tradition. Yeah. 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 So um, and not, not exactly to equate the two things, but you know, I think there may be some similarities there as far as you went too far. So whatever he did clearly went too far because yeah, this has been a known thing forever. Like people talk about the Dodgers forever right. doing this and doing it really, really well. And, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, the shoulder impingement or fatigue yeah. even like, yeah. So it, it, it makes you think it like, I think you're probably right that it was somebody Somebody cried foul internally, and it, here we are. And I think the only the reason, uh, uh, whoa, <laughs> 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 Help me. Uh, so all those things. Plus, it's it's Billy Epler. He's a guy. He's been around. It's the Mets. They're one of yeah. the biggest, most famous. Like it's so weird. You think that you would slap a junior or rookie GM with this kind of thing. It's just the whole thing stinks. Um, but yeah, that, that is probably, we'll, we'll probably learn 
yeah. after this podcast is released, but uh, kind of fascinating. Um, moving on, the Twins have traded former first-round pick Nick Gordon to the Miami Marlins. The Twins get left-handed reliever Stephen Okert. Um, we were talking about the Marlins earlier. They have a ton of arms. I actually like Nick Gordon a lot. I think this is a good little trade. Um, where he's going to play, I don't know. He's probably not a shortstop, but a uh, good little trade for the Marlins, I think. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, the left-handed reliever to spare. They won't really notice this, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting trade. It's always interesting. He was the fifth overall pick. Yeah. Um, in the 2014 amateur wow. draft. So that makes me feel old. Yeah. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume he was a uh, high school student in that in that selection. Um, but it just goes to show you those guys like, first of all, first round pick, even that high is never a lock. Uh, but they're usually talented enough to stick around for a long time until either break out or finally being let go. I think he goes to the next level, Nate. You think so? Skip Schumacher leadership, so on and so forth. (laughs) He's 28. Um, He's 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 entering a, he's right in his prime. There you go. Uh, moving down the list, Corey Kluber has officially retired. Um, Klubot. I, uh, I, I remember him very fondly. I liked watching him pitch. Uh, I remember some games where he just dominated the Cardinals back in the day. And there there was like four or five years where he was pretty hands down the best pitcher in baseball. And um, it it was kind of like the beginning of the Indian slash Guardians pitching factory. Like, yes, they just kept making guys like Corey Kluber. But um, really like him. Big fan. And, uh, you know, it's kind of yeah, kind of sad. Man, in 2014, Hayes, Nick Gordon's draft year, yeah, he threw 235 innings with a 10.27 K per nine. Yeah. Um, and he had a, a 7.2 F4 <laughs> uh, season. Yeah. Man, it's what a crazy season. Uh, 235 innings, an XFIP of 2.57. Yeah. So that's 235 like elite innings. And that's just one of his really good seasons. So, yeah, it was, yeah, there was that block of time where he was just unbeatable. And then he kind of remade himself and it was just never fully healthy. It's like he uh, kind of burned too brightly um, and and kind of injured himself. But he was pretty good with the Rays in 2022, even, you know, 164 innings, three war. Like, that's not nothing. Yeah. Um, and then last year it all fell apart and he yeah. was retired. So yeah, like Hall of Fame level talent, just not the longevity. And, He's got the and, peak. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's as good as any other elite pitcher's peak. Um, but yeah. he doesn't yeah, doesn't have the the longevity. So goodbye to Corey. Uh Shohei Otani hits outside for the first time after elbow surgery. He plans on playing opening day. I watched the video. I'm not sure if you watched the video. Uh, there was a report going around that he took 20 swings and I think nine or 10 of those swings ended up being home runs. <laughs> he looked like the old Shohei Otani to me. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's fair to say, and just knowing him and his mentality and just everything that is Otani, he'll be yeah. back on day one and he'll be, you know, as good as he ever was, but excited to have him healthy. And I believe that means I'm going to be able to see him in the first couple of weeks when he comes yeah. out to Colorado uh, so looking forward to all of that. 
man, he's going to have 150 RBI this year <laughs> behind Betts and Freeman. Because uh, they said, uh, uh, what's his face said, they're going to stick with Betts, Freeman, and then Otani. Well, the, I would. Yeah. 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 So, so in 1930 for the Cubs, Hack Wilson, uh, I believe he still has the record for the most RBIs in a single season. Uh, if you're, are you familiar with this season, Nate? Yeah. I forget the specific number, yeah. but it's, it's absurd. So he put up 56 home runs, 191 RBIs, 105 walks, uh, 84 strikeouts, which he led the league in both walks and strikeouts. I love that. Uh, led the league in OPS, OPS plus everything. Yeah. Pretty Would good. Would you put any amount of money that he beats any of those Hack Wilson numbers this year? Um, no, I don't, I don't think he's got 57 bombs in him. Um, and 192 RBI. I, I wonder what's even the closest <laughs> in the last 50 years. Anyone's I don't know. Come yeah. To that. I remember people used to say with Pujols, with peak Pujols with the uh, MV3 too, people would say if Pujols hit fourth instead of third, he'd yeah. have a shot at it. Um, but I think that's just cardinal homerism. Like 191 yeah. is truly <laughs> insane. So much has to come together for that. Yeah. You're averaging over one RBI per game, which is yeah. that alone is insane. Um, <laughs> I, I'll disagree with you. I think he's much more likely to break the home run. I think he's much more likely to hit 57 home runs. Um, yeah, maybe a full season again, just offensively. Um, you know, he's not worrying about pitching at all. He's not getting any extra days rest because of pitching. He's just playing 160 games or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, Still, though, his he his most ever has been 46 and, uh, you know, 46 is a shit ton. 57 is a whole extra level there. Yeah, but he, he obviously has the talent for it. I think so. Um, sticking with Japanese baseball players, Japanese high school baseball phenom Rintaro Sasaki signed a national letter of intent to play at Stanford. The team announced via social media on Tuesday. I think that this is kind of crazy. I've always wondered why big time Japanese players haven't done things like this in the past. Yeah. Uh, this means that he'll be eligible for the draft a lot sooner, assuming, you know, the kid's 17. But man, I don't know if you've seen pictures of this kid. Yes. He is a big, thick, strong 17 yes, year old kid. Yeah. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he opts into the draft as soon as he possibly can, as soon as he's el eligible and it works out well for him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, or what I mean to say is I would have not be, I would not be surprised if this is the first of many Japanese play. The Japanese invasion has begun on, on major league <laughs> baseball. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've always assumed there is some desire to be successful in the Japanese league first, just yeah. out of a sense of wanting to crush that and then go to the MLB, you know, follow sure. the, Ichiro path or, or even, you know, Otani or what most of the stars do. Um, I've just assumed like that that's what they want to do. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, you know, um, it, it certainly seems like this would have happened more often, um, well, if there wasn't you, you, some sort of other situation going on. I'm sure that there are examples outside of this one and, uh, the, obviously the Cardinals, uh, Juan Ben Cho, who's a Korean player, who's mm -hmm. done 
no, he didn't go to college here, but he, he uh, got drafted right out of high school. Uh, Sen Shu Chu also got drafted right out of high school. Different than exactly what Sasaki's doing. But um, yeah, I think kind of my understanding is that it is generally thought culturally that if you are a Japanese player and you are so good that you'll play in the MLB, once you win a MVP championship, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you know, it's, there's a certain number of years that are attached to your contract, but that's my understanding. And yeah, I'll be curious. Like I, f- I feel like this is the floodgates opening though. Possibly. Um, but he's also quite a particular phenom, you know? Yeah. Um, but it sure seems like a path towards, uh, more money faster. That's so ultimately that's where most people will end up going. If that turns out to be the case, we will watch his career with great interest. Um, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Mm. Um, Jenny Canver, uh, has been hired as the A's new play by play announcer. She is the first woman to have this role full time. Um, which is fantastic. Great news. Uh, she is like a multi-sport journalist, has done broadcasting uh, all over the place. It is too bad that it is the A's <laughs> yeah. in this season. Um, yeah. But, you know, glass ceilings and so on and so forth. Kind of cool. And, uh, you know, very, very happy for Jenny. Uh, there's been a, like the Rockies have had female broadcasters. Like, the Orioles have. Um, but the first time they're uh, a woman is full time. So good for yeah. her. Yeah, I think we've like most of these we've said it took way too long, but it doesn't mean it's not awesome that it happened now. So um, good for her. Good for the sport. Sucks that it's the A's going to be yeah. a rough season calling a play by play for that team. Um, but yeah, you know, it's still, know. It's still good. She's there. I I did not add a couple of A's news bits to this league news because I feel like we've gotten too deep into it recently. Maybe we'll. <laughs> pick it up yeah so I want let's a little let, bit of good news let's let the other one let's let the the current stuff settle a little bit i suppose yeah yeah, yeah. um john cena had an at bat uh with the savannah bananas earlier uh or late last week uh which if i'm not sure if you watch this or not nate but he did his full wwe championship come out of the dugout high-fiving all the fanfare held up the the belt everything like that took an AB struck out, uh, <laughs> did not look like a baseball player. What? Um, Cause he is built like a brick igloo or something. He's got such yeah. a weird body. But, uh, anyways, I thought that was really exciting. Yeah. It made me think of, um, do you remember that, uh, TV show that it was like Shaq challenging yeah. people? <laughs> he and... challenged pools to a home run competition. Yeah. And I know someone who went to that and, yeah. um, you know, Shaq like could not hit because he's a monster and not yeah. built for it. And they they had a fence that was like halfway into the outfield for for him. And I know someone who went to it and they said live, it was not even a competition. It was just pools hitting home runs and then Shaq like flailing and getting behind a few of them. And then but if you watch the show, they edited it down to yeah. this like really compelling back and forth thing. Sure. But that's not at all what happened in real yeah. life. <laughs> it uh um which it does yeah, make if Shaq could get TV. behind a ball, that ball would never land. Sure. And he did hit he did hit a few really hard because yeah. he's a 
massive strong person but you know it's not just that you know, <laughs> but um yeah i mean i love the savannah bananas who doesn't you know so know. we we have to go to a game so we gotta figure that out yeah um, i want to go so bad yeah uh okay final piece of news uh rob manfred has announced that he is targeting a 2025 launch for a streaming package that would include roughly half of mlb teams sans blackouts um yes so it's interesting it's also interesting when you hear half teams does that mean i can watch almost every game obviously if the two halves are uh, playing each other but (laughs) huh i didn't think about that yeah like it's not gonna like mix and match so that only one team you know i assume it'll be a uh structured element but uh kind of cool it's a step in the right direction there's a lot of things that need to happen to make this actually true yeah. but the uh, obviously the issue with uh, diamond sports and everything that's going on with broadcasting is kind of accelerating this and um do i have faith in rob manfred no um but he's not it would be hard for me to imagine him announcing something like this without feeling pretty sure about it yeah uh, but i've been proven wrong before well, the way I think about this sort of stuff is that, like, do I necessarily trust the MLB to do this effectively? Um, no, but you know what? I'll take them trying more than, uh, like, the 18 different cable yeah. companies right now that are in charge of it. The uh, MLB can do anything it puts its mind to. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> you dumbass. Someday. Someday I'll stop saying it. But Maybe. today is not that day. Maybe. Uh, so I think it's I think it's good and it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yes, it is good. It is good. Uh, All right. right. That wraps up League News. All right. We're going to finish up the episode with a return to one of your favorite games. No. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? All right. I aced last time. The last one I was I put it on a T for you. Um, let's see how this goes. Yeah. So I have a you, feeling you're going to get me back for that. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say anything. Um, okay. so if you are new to the show, it's been a couple months since we played this one, but Ben remembers it. Um, I have a series of clues about a major league baseball player who at one point in their career played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the clues start very, very vague and get increasingly more specific Ben has to make a guess after every uh after every clue um Ben has typically won this game at around three or four clues I have gotten him I think one time all the way to the end um but you've also gotten a handful of them in the first or second I actually think last time was the only time you've ever gotten it on the very first clue yeah yeah that was nice Um, though I enjoyed that quite a bit your stupid game so here we go this player was born July 21st, 1949. Oh, goodness. Okay. In Oakland, California. July 1st, 1980. Wait, 19 what? 49. 49. Oakland. 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 Okay. Um, July. Wow. So, obviously an older player. Born in the 40s. Uh, meaning he would have been prominent in the 60s, probably, maybe late 60s, early 70s. Um, Oakland doesn't really give me a lot. I'm just going to pick a big player from the 60s. Um, 
Let's go. Well, I'll say Bob Gibson. Incorrect. It All is right. not Bob Gibson. All right. This player. No, he's from the South, isn't he? He's not from yes. California. He's from. Yeah. Damn it. Um, this player played in no particular order for St. Louis, Atlanta, and Kansas City. St. Louis, Atlanta, and Kansas City. Um, so a player, there's two players come to mind that played. Oh man, this might be too, my timing might be off, but two players come to mind. One is Hal McRae. The other is, uh, uh, the mad Hungarian, Al Roboski. Um, but I think Al Roboski played for more than just three teams. So I'm going to guess Hal McRae. That is incorrect. Damn it. All right. Third guess was the Cardinals' first round pick in 1969 at number 19 and was traded to KC in 1977 for Mark Little and Buck Martinez. Oh, I don't know. Um, that doesn't help me at all. Uh, uh, I, I don't even have a, a, a half. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Um, uh, Ted Simmons. No. Yeah, I All don't right. know. Here we go. Led the NL in saves in 1975 with 22. Bruce Suter. Nope. No. You're going to be pissed. Here's the last one. Has an incredibly shiny head and is known oh. for being mad on the mound. Dang, I I was right. I, I outthought myself or yeah. underthought myself. Our Bosky. Al Roboski. Damn yep. it. I thought yeah. he played for way more teams than just. No. He's one of those guys that like he his legend with the game and with the Cardinals is bigger than his actual sort of, you know, time and impact. Yeah, um, I thought he bopped around a lot more than that. But yeah, no. Damn. And I uh, I'll give myself I'll give myself like a quarter point on that because I. Well, I knew and then I eliminated my own yeah. option, which was yeah, foolish. Yeah, I, I really thought, I was like, damn, I was pretty impressed that you even got it got it down to Al Roboski after that second uh, second clue. Uh, yeah. You you did eliminate it incorrectly, but the fact you even thought of him uh, was so, interesting. I, I was um, just curious, as far as my guessing ability, Hal McRae, born in 1945, yeah. was with Cincinnati, KC... Oh, he never actually played for the Cardinals. Why did I? I had that in my, I guess he was just a coach for so long, I assumed. Mm, yeah. Uh, he never played for the Cardinals. I, okay. I would have thought so too. All right. Well, uh, damn. Yeah. Uh, roast me on the Twitters. <laughs> you were also like born in 49. The odds of being impactful in the 60s was pretty low too. You know, they, he would have had to come up when he was like 17 or 18 to really. I, the, the, and if <laughs> the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> my brain and the numbers <laughs> <It> don't work, <laughs> but that's a good point. <laughs> uh, the other thing I just think is interesting is that he led the NL in saves with 22. Um, yeah. And did, if, I, if I remember correctly, he, did he get some down ballot Cy Young votes for that year? Yes. He's like, yes, baseball was so weird back then. Yeah. Um, let me see. He had a, I mean, it was a good year. Yeah. So, you know, he like, I don't. I don't want to say that when I said he's like, oh, you kind of overstated his impact. 
I don't mean to say that he wasn't good. It's just like, I think Cardinal fans, especially like, you know, us who didn't actually really watch him pitch or really see any of his career. You sort of think of him as this like long time guy who had a, right. a huge impact and he, he played for like 12 years um, yeah. and he was more of a character, but he was good. So um, he was a first round pick too, which I didn't we, know. We met him this. in the street after a Rockies game. Yeah. I've got a great picture of you uh, chatting him up as we're walking down the street. He's pulling his little, uh, his little suitcase on wheels and you're uh you're talking to him. Yeah. Uh sorry, Al. I'll remember <laughs> I mean, you next time. He was nice. He talked he he seemed to uh, you know, be friendly and willing yeah. to talk to you. I think I talked to him in an Apple store one time too. So well, look at us. Wow. Really rubbing we're like, elbows. We're like best friends with Al Ravosky. <laughs> yeah. He's so shiny. He... I think he takes good care of his skin. He's 74. He, he looks better than you. That's well, low bar, but it's true. So, all right. Well, uh, you got it. You got it after the fifth. Um, so you technically yeah. still finished the game after but, I um, played myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. That was this week's episode. And thank you everyone as always for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week as always. And we've got some actual on field stuff to start talking about. And we're not that far away from games. So yeah, yeah we uh, got our, we got our draft coming up. We're going to do our NL central team previews. We got yeah. the, 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 the calendar's picking up my guy. We've got all sorts of content to bring to you. So tell your friends, tell your family. Now's a great time to hop on board for the, uh, for the show. If you've listened to all off season, we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, tell, tell your friends about us. So it uh, should be a really good year, uh, hopefully on the field as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have fun. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we'll be back next week. And as always, thank you all. And until then. Okay, thank you. Bye.